Welcome to the Bible Questions podcast brought to you by BibleQuestions.org and the Holly Street Church of Christ. This podcast is dedicated to answering your Bible questions from the Bible. My name is Brian, and along with Jeff, we are the hosts of this program. Hello, and welcome to the Bible Questions podcast. Uh, my name is Jeff with uh, one of our co-hosts, Brian. How are you doing tonight, Brian? Hey, doing very well, Jeff. Thanks. Yeah, tonight we also have a special guest, uh, our preacher, Alan Hitchin. Uh, and Alan's going to uh, continue on his series about prayer. Alan, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing very well, Jeff. Looking forward to uh, sharing some more information about prayer with our listeners. So for our listeners who may have joined this particular podcast uh, by itself without the previous ones, we are on session number five of this ongoing series uh, regarding prayer. And Alan, for our listeners, could you maybe just real briefly summarize what the first four uh, podcasts covered? Sure. Yes, I can definitely do that. When Jesus finished the Sermon on the Mount, he made the point that this was the foundation. And without a good foundation, it's just not going to develop the way that people want it to. As a matter of fact, he says, if you build on sand, then when the rains and the storms come, your house is going to fall. And for prayer, that is just a, a critical point that we all need to realize is that coming to God in prayer is not like coming to our mother and father. It is something that requires careful thought and proper preparation. And so in our first lesson, we talked about how important it is to God that we first learn how to listen to him before we learn how to talk to him. And that it's our responsibility to hear his word, properly fulfill his word, and be like the Bereans who search the scriptures daily to see whether the things that they believe were true or not. And when God sees that kind of a heart, like he told uh, Cornelius, in chapter 10, your prayers and your alms have gone up as a memorial before God because he was a devout man and he had already proven that. So we spent, I think, about a lesson and a half talking about how we need to listen to God. And then we also talked about God's interest in our learning how to talk to him, not just coming to him with our own ideas about how to pray, but by faith, which comes by hearing the word of God, we can take the opportunity as his people to learn exactly how to approach him. Because, as I said, if, if we were going to visit someone, some dignitary, somebody with great power, and we'd want to find out how do I properly comport myself around this kind of an individual. So that that's really what we talked about in the first two lessons. And then in the next lesson, we spoke about hallowing God's name. It's how Jesus said we should start our prayers, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And we looked at some of the Old Testament Bible characters and how they did that and how how oftentimes they would spend more time hallowing God's name than they would in their requests because that's how important it was that they manifest the proper respect. And, of course, we talked about Romans chapter 1 where it says that just before an apostasy, people do not glorify him as God and don't give thanks. And so we wanted to spend a little bit of time on that, helping our listeners appreciate building the proper foundation. And then last week in our podcast, we talked about giving thanks and how God has asked us in everything to give thanks. And so before we start asking for more, we need to be asking or we need to be thanking him for what we already have the beauty of this creation and the wonderful blessings that oftentimes we take for granted, like our family and our, our uh, wonderful blessings that God has given to us throughout our life. And so that was our uh, podcast, the last podcast. And so tonight we want to talk a little bit. Now we're going to get into the actual uh, study of prayer. And when you talk about prayer, and, and certainly I would encourage our listeners to go back and, and review, and, and if they haven't, listen to those previous four podcasts. Uh, tonight, we're going to continue talking about prayer, but could you be a little bit more specific uh, about what aspect we're addressing tonight? Uh, yes, I can. Uh, we're going to be talking about praying according to God's will and how we know if we're praying according to God's will because James will tell us, and we'll look at this verse a little bit later, that 
if you ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. And so, and if we know that we hear him, he hears us, we know we have the petitions that we ask of him. So we want to talk about those kinds of prayers. And then we want to talk about the kind of prayers that are not according to his will. In other words, things he's never addressed, he's never said to us. Maybe we are praying for uh, our health to be restored, or maybe we are praying for the ability to uh, make money or the ability to get a home or something along this line, and we have no idea what God's will is on that. And so what are the differences between how to pray when we know God's will versus how to pray when we don't know God's will? Thank you. Appreciate that overview. Brian, I've been doing most of the talking so far. Would you like to uh, add anything? Well, no, but I, I think to kick things off, Alan, I guess we want to talk about how you would define the real purpose of prayer. Well, the Word of God and prayer are portrayed in the Scriptures as the two most powerful forces on earth today because they have the ability to change our lives. Paul said that I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation. So by learning how to listen to God, we are looking at the incorruptible seed, which lives and abides forever, and so will we. And so once we understand the power of the word and the power of submission to the word, then as the scriptures direct us, we start to pray. And because of God's respect for us, because of God's care and concern for us, and I'm not saying he's not caring and concerning about everyone, but he has made it very clear that it is the supplication of a righteous man that avails much in its work. So we've got to look at the scriptures and learn what it is to be righteous in order to have that power. And so those two things, the word of God and prayer, along with our faith and our submission, create an unbreakable fellowship and relationship with God in which God is wanting to help us. And this in turn is going to lead us to a fellowship of confidence and a fellowship of peace. And Paul kind of summarizes this in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. And I think, Jeff, it, uh, we'd like for you to read that, please. Okay, sure. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And so this verse pretty much summarizes everything we've covered in the last uh, four podcasts. And that is, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, we let our request be made known to God. And so the thanksgiving is there. We've spoken about hallowing God's name and recognizing his power, which is, of course, the undergirding for all peace that we have. If we have this confidence that God is hearing us and that God is, is, is in our lives, as we read in Romans chapter 8, all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Well, by our listening to his word, we're proving to him that we love God. Jesus spoke several times in John 14 and 15, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. He that, he that keeps my commandments loves me. And as I kept my father's commandments and abide in his love, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. So all of this ties together. And when people try to compartmentalize it, uh, we get into trouble. You can't come to God. We, we saw this verse in, I think, our first lesson, and that is, if a man is not hearing the word of God, if he turns away his ear from the word of God, his prayer becomes an abomination. It's something that God is not going to be interested in. So the person who has properly learned how to pray and properly learned how to listen to God will be anxious for nothing because he's continually offering to God prayers and supplications with thanksgiving. And we're, with that quality, we let our requests be made known to God. And we know that when we make those requests, that God, it's in God's hands. And I'd rather have it in God's hands than my hands. If God thinks I need it, 
then I want it. If God doesn't think I need it, then I don't want it. And so that gives peace, peace and security and comfort. So when everything's working properly, uh, we, we see that this peace will be guarding our hearts. So ultimately, prayer is not the means to get anything or everything we want. Prayer is the confidence that God will give us everything we need. And again, this is the purpose of all the previous lessons. So when we see our prayers as an opportunity to hallow his name, give thanks for what we have, and giving us the opportunity to cast our cares on him, then we've reached a level of maturity where our prayers are going to be powerful and our prayers are going to be comforting. And and uh, Peter touches on this, the Holy Spirit using Peter to explain this to us. And um, Brian, would you like to read uh, 1 Peter 5, verses uh, 6 and 7, please? Here it says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. And, you know, uh, for all our listeners, I just can't think of a better way to summarize prayer than that. Casting all your care upon him. He cares for us. He loves us. I suspect he loves us more than we love ourselves. I think that God's love is infinite. It's something that we can't even comprehend. And, and therefore, when I know that I'm walking with him, I'm listening to him, and I'm talking to him, then I'm humbling myself. I'm casting every care I have, all of my needs, all of my desires, uh, and I know that in his capable hands, the greatest power that exists in the, in the, in the creation, God has greater power than everything. And to put everything in his hands uh, is the, the wisest thing that we could possibly do. So, Alan, in a nutshell, are you, are you basically saying that the content of our prayers is perhaps a, a sign or indicator of our spiritual maturity? Yeah, I would love it if our listeners would begin to see prayer like this. It's like a temperature gauge. It's like a barometer. It tells us things that we wouldn't otherwise know. So I can feel it's hot, but if I look at a thermometer, I know the exact level of the temperature. And so my spiritual growth, your spiritual growth, the listeners, all of our listeners' spiritual growth and development can lead us to the point where uh, if God doesn't want me to have it, I'm very happy that God will make that decision. And if he wants me to have it, I'm very happy that he wants to make that decision. So, and, and God can tell a lot about me. If I'm a demanding Christian who uh, really, if I don't get what I want, my relationship with God is going to be compromised. Well, where's the faith in that? Where's the, where's the submission in that? The humility, the realization that God sees everything. I can only see a small portion of the universe and a small portion of my life. God sees everything. And God sees what this decision that I'm making right now will have on the rest of my life. I think about Solomon. If Solomon had just gone to God and prayed for the wisdom about the wives that he chose... But God saw him choosing those wives. He saw him not listening to him because God told the kings back in Deuteronomy, do not multiply wives to yourself. But Solomon did not pray about that. He did not have any care or concern about that. And ultimately, it led to his destruction. So sometimes we pray for something, and if God gave it to us, we wouldn't go to heaven. And if you see it like that, then... And, and you recognize that, then God sees your spiritual maturity, and then he's going to be much more likely to answer the prayers that we're making concerning him. So, Alan, can you give our listeners an example of how God would see us as mature in our prayers? Sure. Yes, there's an important distinction that I really want. It's going to be the hub of our, of our discussion this, this today. The idea that prayer comes into two broad categories of scriptures. 
And when I reach a level of maturity where I can distinguish between those two categories and I can pray based on which category it is, then I will have a maturity, an understanding of prayer that is going to make God very happy. It's going to make him very proud and very grateful that our growth and development has reached us or has reached that point. I think about Job sometimes where God says, I have no mind like him in all the earth. And I think to myself, I wonder exactly what Job had done to reach that level. Or he tells us that Moses is a different kind of a prophet. I speak to him mouth to mouth and face to face as a friend talks to a friend. And and once again, I think to myself, I wonder what Moses did so different than every other prophet that God decided to treat him that way. Or Daniel, who in the youth, his youth decided he was going to listen to God and he wasn't going to defile himself and he was ready to die for that. And, and by the time he's 90 years old, after all of those, after the whole time of captivity is over, I say 90, he might have been 80, but certainly he couldn't have been much less than 10 or 15 years old when he went into Babylonian captivity, and he was there for 70 years before these words were spoken. But So let's just say he's between 80 and 90, and God says to him, "You," or one of the angels says to him, you are greatly beloved. In other words, uh, and Abraham was called my friend forever. So these are these are little things, little indicators that some people rise above. Some people, you know, it's possible for us to develop a faith, a commitment, a devotion, and a care and a concern, a godliness to God that would lead him to see us like Job or lead him to see us like Moses or like uh, uh, Daniel uh, or Abraham, who was his friend. And so this is what prayer gives us the opportunity. So we ask the question, what would, what would be an example of how God would see us like this? And in 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, we have the first type of prayer outlined and defined. Uh, so Jeff, if you could read that for us, please. That would be 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15. Okay. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions we have asked of him. Okay, so this is the interesting point that all of us need to make. And that is, if we ask anything according to his will, we have confidence. Some translations have boldness here. We have boldness and confidence that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, then whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. But the key here is if we ask according to his will. So clearly there are prayers and requests we bring to God which are according to his will, and therefore we know exactly what he'll respond because he's already told us. But then there are other prayers that we bring to God that are personal, expressing our own particular needs to God. But when we pray prayers like that, we really don't know if this is a good thing we're asking for. And so, uh, like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. There's, the confidence isn't there. When we ask something of God that we don't know his will, then there should be humility, not boldness, not confidence, but humility and a realization and actually a hope that God will say no to this request if it's not in my best interest. But uh, if, if, uh, if it's something that I want, but the scriptures don't address it, then it can be something that, that I want him to say no. So when when we talk about how God would see me as a mature Christian, he would see it when I come to him with requests that I already know he's asked me to make. And I already know the answer. And so I come to him just like my child. If I had a child and he knows me and he knows I love him and he knows that that I want him to have a certain thing and so he comes and asks me for it and, and he knows he already knows the answer. And so uh, those are the prayers 
that we want to talk about in this lesson. And then uh, in our next lesson, we want to talk about the other type of prayer, the, kind of the way we pray when we don't know what God's will is. So for our listeners who may be wondering, can you offer uh, like a simple way to distinguish between the two? I mean, how can we know if something we pray for is God's will or not? Well, and Jesus addressed this, you remember, in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, not everybody who calls me Lord, Lord, but only those who do the will of my Father in heaven. And what is the will? Well, the will of God is the New Testament scriptures. Uh, and up to a certain point, some of the things that are still in the Old Testament scriptures, they reveal to us things that how God feels, what God is looking for, what's important to God, what's not important to God, what he knows we need, what he's not really telling us whether we need or not. And so if we ask God for something he's already revealed and told us to ask for, then we know it's God's will. But if we're asking God for something that he has not revealed, what his response would be, then that's a prayer where we don't know God's will. So if I know God has asked me to pray for something, then I can say in my heart, this is God's will, and therefore I can pray for this boldly, and I can pray for it boldly knowing he's going to say yes. But if I'm praying a prayer uh, where I'm asking God for, let's say I'm asking God to heal someone that I love who's sick, well, I don't know what God's will is for that. Maybe it's time, maybe God wants to take them from this world and remove them from all suffering. And the last thing that I would want to do is circumvent or thwart God's will if that's what he wants. And so under those circumstances, I'm going to pray, Father, if it be your will, would you please spare this person? And just like Jesus, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done, because I know your will is better than mine, it's wiser than mine, it's more loving than mine, it's more understanding than mine. And so if I don't know exactly what God's will is on a matter, then I'm going to ask with humility and with trust that God knows best and that I'm just as prepared for him to say no as I am for him to say yes. But when I come to him with a prayer that I already know his will, then I can ask with boldness and I can know that I'm going to receive what he, is, what he has asked for, or excuse me, what I've asked for. Yeah, that, that can be something that certainly is difficult when we pray for something. God says no. It's so easy to maybe take that personal. You know, God doesn't want to answer my prayers when, to your point, it could be for a variety of reasons. Maybe it's their time to go, so to speak, as you mentioned. And so for those that are hearing this for the first time, it, it you know might just be a little confusing, right, to hear these points. So can you give us some examples of maybe both types of prayers? Yeah, let's look at a, a clear example of asking according to his will. So let's look at James chapter 1 verses 5 through 8. And Jeff, would you please read uh, James, 5, James 1, 5 through 8 for us so our listeners can contemplate on the power of this scripture? Okay. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So here we have it all. If you lack wisdom, and who doesn't? Every one of us lacks wisdom. All of us could, could certainly use a lot more wisdom than we have. And so God says, if you lack wisdom, let me tell you something. I want to give it to you. I want you to have it. So ask of God. And he will give it liberally and without reproach. He won't say, what are you asking for this for me? You, you've got enough of this. He will never say that. If I lack wisdom, I have the right to come to him with boldness. I know he'll give it to me. I know he won't reproach me. I know it's not something I'm asking selfishly. It's not something I want to spend on my own pleasures. This is something that I want. You remember when Solomon asked for wisdom and God said it pleased him greatly, that he didn't ask for wealth, 
or long life or the life of his enemies, but you have asked for wisdom so that you can serve me and you can be helpful to me. And so God says, I'm going to give you the wisdom and I'm going to give you the things you haven't asked for. So that's what asking according to his will. And that's why I said at the very beginning that God is going to have a great deal of respect for us and a great deal of of uh, love and care for us, just like he did to Daniel or or Job or, or uh, Abraham. So if you lack wisdom, then ask God and it will be given. And then we come to the boldness in verse 6. Ask in faith with no doubting. He's going to give that to you. You don't have to ask humbly. You don't have to ask if it be your will, because you know it's his will. You can ask in faith without any doubting, because if you have doubt when you know the will of God, then you're just like the wave of a sea driven and tossed by the wind. So if I pray to God, for example, for forgiveness of sins, which is another clear example of the Father's will, he wants me to ask for that, and he's promised to give it to me. So if I ask for forgiveness of sins, the last thing God wants to see is my doubt, me doubting whether God will do that or not. And and that's a struggle. That's a class in and of itself, asking God for forgiveness and then truly believing that he has forgiven us. So if we lack wisdom, God's will ask. If you ask, he will give it liberally. Now, we're not going to deal with this this verse tonight, but later on we're going to talk about the fact in James chapter 4, James says, you don't have because you don't ask. So if you've never asked for wisdom, you're not going to have the kind of wisdom. I've often made the illustration, if, if two men have the same amount of intelligence and the same abilities, and they spend the same amount of time studying the scriptures, but one is praying for wisdom every day, and the other one is not. It's pretty clear from this verse that the man who's been asking for wisdom is going to be much wiser than the man who was not asking for wisdom. And you say, well, how do you know that? Because that's what this says. You remember Solomon, He we, we're told of Solomon, there's never been a man like you before and there'll never be a man like you after. So God has proven. You know, there's a passage in Ephesians that says, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that is working in us. So access to prayer, especially for those things that we know the Father's will, it gives us access to power, power that we just have to have the confidence that God will give it to us. And when we lack wisdom and we ask God, we're promised he'll give it to you liberally and he will never reproach you and he will give it. I mean, look at that double in there. He will give to all liberally and it will be given. And then but verse 6, you've got to ask in faith. You've got to trust God. So, like I said, we got these two men. One's asking, the other one's not asking. Uh, there's going to be a difference, and we have to have confidence that there's going to be a, a difference. So, in this verse, we have it all. The promise that it's God's will, and that under no circumstances would he ever say no. Now that we know it's God's will, All we have to do is ask in faith with boldness and never doubt and never wonder. And that's how we need to deal with the prayers where we know the Father's will. But then there's a a second type of prayer. And we'll talk more about this in our next lesson. But Moses, when Moses pleaded with God to enter the promised land, he didn't know what the answer was going to be. So let's look at that, that, that prayer. It's kind of an interesting one. So it's a little longer, a longer reading than most, but I really think we need to ponder this. So uh, Brian, would you read Deuteronomy chapter 3, verses 23 through 28? Moses here says, Then I pleaded with the Lord at that time, saying, O Lord God, you have begun to show your servant your greatness and your mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do anything like your works and your mighty deeds. I pray, let me cross over and see the good land beyond the Jordan, those pleasant mountains, and Lebanon. But the Lord was angry with me on your account and would not listen to me. So the Lord said to me, Enough of that. Speak no more to me of this matter. Go up to the top of Pisgah and lift up your eyes toward the west, the north, the south, and the east, Behold it with your eyes, for you shall not cross over this Jordan. 
So here's a clear example of a prayer that is prayed without knowledge of God's will. We might even argue that Moses already knew God's will because God had already told him, you're not going into the promised land. But he's, he's pleading with the Lord because he hopes that perhaps God will forgive him and that God will allow him to go in. And so he's, uh, this is a, a, a fair prayer. It is a certainly a, a legitimate prayer. But it's not a prayer he could lead boldly. He couldn't say, Father, let me go into the promised land, and I expect you to, to do this because I know your will. Well, he doesn't know his will. And so he starts, like I, I said in our previous lessons, he starts by hallowing God's name. He talks about his greatness, his mighty hand, his power and mighty deeds. Then we get the request in verse 25, but it's a humble request. And it's a request where he knows could be yes or no. So let me go and cross over the land beyond the Jordan. And But the Lord said, enough of that. Don't talk to me about this anymore. God makes it very clear what his will is. And I'm sure Moses obeyed that command. Uh, you can look, but you're not going in. Uh, another example of this would be when God told David that his child, because he'd committed adultery with Bathsheba and put her husband to death, God told him that the fruits of your sin, which would be the life of this child, uh, you're not going to have the life of this child. And so David prayed, fasted, he asked and prayed and begged God, but God didn't relent. And uh, it was interesting, David said, I'll go to him, I'll see him again, I will ultimately have this child. And so those people who think, well, God killed this child, what, what kind of a God would kill a child? Well, that's not really the point. The life of the child and the, the uh, ultimate good for this child was already determined. God is not going to punish this child because he's a child out of wedlock or he's a child of sin. He's going, and David says, after I die, I will see him again. I will go to him. So the, the prayer was not answered, but the ultimate answer was that he would see this child again. Jeremiah, the same thing. Jeremiah prayed for Israel's deliverance. But God finally said, do not pray for this people. Don't lift up a cry or a prayer for them, nor make intercession to me, for I will not hear you. So here's a clear example of just the opposite. It's God's will that he doesn't pray for these people. And as I said, the scriptures are full of people like this, full of people who prayed to God for something they didn't know God's will, or to try and change your God's mind of something that he did know God's will, and God said no. Uh, again, Jesus in the garden. Jesus knew that, that the cup would have to be drunk, but at that point in his life, he was asking God if that cup could pass from him. Well, we all know what would have happened if God had let the cup pass from him. We would have all died in our sins. So we're certainly glad that God answered this prayer in our best interest and in his best interest with the answer, which was, no, I can't let this cup pass from you. And in the book of Hebrews, it says he was godly and he offered up vehement cries, strong cries and pleadings. And he was heard because of his godliness. But though he was a son, he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. So the answer was no. And Often, God gives the answer, and it's no. And there were a few times where the person prayed for something God had already revealed his will, and God relented, but it didn't work out well. I'm, I'm reminded of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a very godly man. And at the height of his power, God could see that the best thing that could happen to Hezekiah is for him to leave this earth in all his glory, to enter into his eternal rest, to enjoy the benefits of his faithfulness throughout all eternity. Well, he prayed and prayed, and, and God told Isaiah, go back and tell him I'm going to give him 15 more years. But Second uh, Chronicles makes it very clear. He says that he did not return according to the benefit done to him. But Israel and Jerusalem, under his control, became idolaters, and great wrath came upon them. 
And so it didn't end well. Now, it, it is very clear that he did repent and he did come back to God. But looking back at it, I'm sure after he got into eternity, he would have realized God's will would have been better than mine. Yeah, he ended up having uh, a son who ended up being the wickedest king, right, Manasseh, that Israel had. <laughs> so anyhow. That's that's another good point, yeah. So basically kind of summing up what you've been saying in a small nutshell, if God has commanded us, you know, to pray for something, if something is, you know, explicit within the scriptures, that we do hence know God's will and that we can pray with boldness because he's already told us that it's okay. Is that fair? That is, I think that's the, that, that's, that's the summary. And so let's look at a couple of examples of it. Now, let's go back to 1 John chapter 5. Jeff, would you like to read that again for us? 1 John 5, 14 and 15, just to reacquaint our listeners with where we've been. Okay. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. So we know we have the petitions if we ask according to his will. So now it's just a simple matter of going through the scriptures and finding out what he's asked us to pray for. For example, uh, Brian, would you like to read 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So here I have a passage that gives the Father's will. When I repent and I confess my sin, and so these are two critical points. Uh, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, speaking of the sorrow of the world that does not care that he sinned, but only that he got caught, and the sorrow, the godly sorrow that works repentance. And so it is repentance that leads me to run to God and cry with vehement cry, Father, I've sinned. I have done that which you have told me not to do. You were right under the influence of my lust. I made this terrible mistake. I am so sorry. Would you please forgive me of my sins? Well, do I have to do that humbly? Do I have to do that? Well, there's a certain amount of humility just because we did something terrible and we feel bad about it. But the point that I'm drawing here is, is that God has already said, and I've always been amazed with this passage because it doesn't say if we confess our sins, he's merciful and compassionate, or he's forgiving and he is loving. No, he says he's faithful and just. So faithful means he's made a promise and he has to keep it. Just means that this is a covenant between us and him. And if he's going to continue to be just, he has to forgive me. Now, that is an amazing revelation that God has put himself in a position where if I commit a sin and I ask for forgiveness, his forgiveness is now because he's faithful and just. Now, I'm not saying he's not compassionate and loving. He is. But this is a scripture that gives me boldness. Because now, if I commit a sin, no matter how terrible, you know, David committed a terrible sin. He, he committed, he lusted after a woman that was his neighbor's wife. He broke the commandment, you shall not covet. He committed adultery knowing it was someone else's wife which broke a second commandment in the Ten Commandments, which is don't commit adultery. And then when she became pregnant and he didn't want to get caught, he broke a third commandment and he decided to commit murder. He sent, a, he sent you know, and the way he did it is just so terrible. He sent the letter that would get him killed in his own hand to Joab. And it said, basically, uh, put him in the hottest part of the battle and then draw back from him so that he will die. And so we've got these three sins. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not commit, or excuse me, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or anything that is your neighbor. So David lives in this sin. Uh, and finally, Nathan comes to him, and it, it appears that he comes to him just before the child is born. So David's been sitting in this for nine months. 
And I don't know if it's out of a hardened heart or if it's out of a shameful heart. We, we really don't know. But he didn't commit, or excuse me, he didn't fulfill this command. He didn't come to God. He didn't confess his sin. And so at that point, he writes Psalm 32. And in Psalm 32, he expresses, Blessed is the man whom the Lord does not impute his sin. And so, blessed is the man who is forgiven. Now, if God can forgive David, and if God can forgive Manasseh, Manasseh, as, as Jeff or as Brian pointed out a little bit earlier, he was one of the most wicked kings. He filled Jerusalem with blood. He seduced the people of Israel to sin. And God made the decision while he was king that there was, no, there was going to be no more opportunity. Israel was going to be destroyed. But when he was taken into Babylonian captivity in chains and fetters, uh, he repented. And he begged God to forgive him. And God brought him back and let him be king again. So, and so we, we see examples of this. If we confess our sins... God is so loving, so merciful, so compassionate. You know he's going to forgive you. And yet, what, what, is, what is so odd is, in spite of this scripture, many times we pray to God for a sin, and then the next day we pray to God for the same sin, and then the next day we pray to God for the same sin, because we can't forgive ourselves. But God says, uh, I've already forgiven you that. I don't even know what you're talking about. Remember he says in uh, several passages, as far as the east is from the west, and I'm going to cast them in the depths of the sea. Or Jeremiah, which is quoted in the book of Hebrews, under the new covenant, I will remember their sins no more. So I ask God for forgiveness. And James says, if, or excuse me, John says, if we ask anything according to his will, we know that we receive the petitions. Well, that's what this verse is, that's what this verse is dealing with, is that if we will confess our sins, if we, if we truly are penitent and we come to God and we confess those sins, then I already know God's will. He's faithful and just. He's already made it very clear. If you ask me for forgiveness, I have put myself under obligation that I will forgive you, and you can have confidence that I will cleanse you of all your sins or all your unrighteousness, and I will forgive you. So that's one clear example of how asking according to his will. So now we have two. We have, if we ask for wisdom, and if we ask for forgiveness of our sins, we know we have those petitions. Now, in Matthew chapter 6, as Jesus is teaching us how to pray. Now, some people call this the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is actually in John chapter 17. And that's the prayer where he prays for his apostles and for us who believe in him through, through their word. This is a template. This is an example of how to pray. This, is, this gives us the content that our prayers ought to have. And so... Uh, uh, let's see, Jeff, would you like to read Matthew 6, 11 through 13? Okay. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right, so once again, this is the Father's will. I can pray for my daily bread. And God promises... I'll give you your daily bread. You remember David in one of his psalms said, I've never seen righteous people begging for bread. God, and and Jesus, of course, saying, he feeds the birds. uh, And will he not feed you, O you of little faith? So give us this day our daily bread. Confidence. That is a command. That is his will. Forgive us our debts. Confidence. Verse 13, do not lead us into temptation. And then we have the confidence. And of course, we also have a scripture where James says, God is not tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no man. So this is a prayer that we can pray, and it's a prayer that God will answer. You remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it is said there that God will not allow you to be tempted above what you're able to bear, but with the temptation will give you the way of escape. 
So this is a prayer we can have confidence in. Of course, when we're in the middle of that temptation, we need to be looking for that door, and we need to be praying this prayer. And deliver us from the evil one. Once again, we know we know we have them. It's not like David praying for the uh, gods where we don't know the Father's will. And if the but at the same time we don't allow that to impact with boldness and confidence. But as I said, one of the spiritual marks of maturity is being able to figure out which one it is. If it's according to His will, I'm going to be bold. If it's not according to his will, then I'm going to be humble, and I'm going to be saying, if it be your will. And so these are the kinds of things that we need to be thinking about, and we need to understand. And so what we've done now is we've just pretty much summarized this idea. What I like to do with the rest of the podcast is just give our listeners a couple of more verses that they can think about regarding the things that God has told us his will and the things that he has not told us his will. So I'd like to ask Brian to read uh, Matthew chapter 7, verses uh, 7 through 11, so our listeners can consider the, the thoughts there. Here it says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Right, so our listeners, let's put together what we've just learned. Clearly, God is not giving, or Jesus is not giving this verse to undo everything that we've just learned. Uh, When Moses asked, it wasn't given to him. When Jeremiah asked, it wasn't given to him. When David asked, it wasn't given to him. So in the context of this verse, clearly we're back to 1 John, where he said, if we ask anything according to his will. So I think what the Lord is asking here is that you and I, we're seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. We're, we're seeking for wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And so when I ask for those things according to his will, but you see, you'd be taking this verse entirely out of context to read the verse and say, everything I ask for, I'm going to get. So I ask for a million dollars and I ask for a long life and I ask for a beautiful woman or a a handsome man to be my spouse and with no care or concern about their spiritual attributes. And this verse says he's going to give it to me. Well, as I said, that is a sign of immaturity. That is a sign that we don't really understand the nature of what prayer is all about. So ask according to his will. Seek according to his will. Knock according to his will and it will be given, you will find, and it will be opened. But if you ask for things that are not according to his will, or that you don't know whether they're according to his will, maybe you don't want them to be given. I wouldn't want to be given something that God knows is going to destroy me, no matter how many times I ask him for it. I'd want him to say no. So when I ask, or seek, or knock, this is not a blank check. This is not a simple statement, it's in the context of God being a good father. Now, he makes the illustration, if your son asks for bread, well, certainly if he asks for bread, I'd want to give it to him. But if my son asks me for something as a six-year-old, and I know if I give it to him, it will damage or kill him or destroy him, then I would not give it to him. He asks for a gun. He asks for a knife. He asks for uh, to, to own something that would be very dangerous. And you say, son, I'm sorry. Uh, you're not ready for that yet. You will get it ultimately, but you're not ready for it yet. And God can say the same thing in his own heart, and, and we would have to accept that, that all things work together for good. So, yes, I'm going to ask, and yes, I'm going to seek, and certainly knock, but I'm going to do that confidently when I know it's the Father's will. But if I don't know if it's the Father's will, then I'm going to do that humbly, and with a realization that maybe it won't be given. 
Maybe I won't find that. Maybe I, it won't be open to me because I don't want it if it's going to hurt me. So I hope our listeners are, are beginning to grasp the significance because there's many passages in the scriptures that can be taken completely out of context and turned into something the skeptics can use to mock our faith. If somebody gets the idea that whatever I ask for, whatever I seek, and whatever I knock for, I'm always going to get it. Well, that, that's a misuse of Scripture. That's a sign of immaturity. And so those are the, the kind of things that we need to understand as mature uh, individuals. And uh, so, Jeff, would you like to read? There's another passage in Matthew that uh, we'd like to look at. It's in Matthew 6, verses 5 and 6. Sure. Uh, Jesus speaking. And when you pray... You shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So, once again, we see the limitations and the criteria for prayer. First of all, prayer is not to be used as a means to show other people how devout I am. And this is always a danger when you're leading a public prayer. We're praying to God on behalf of the congregation. We're not praying to the congregation. We're not praying to prove to the congregation how much I've grown or how spiritually minded I am. That Prayer needs to be prayed directly to God in sincerity. But for most prayers, and Jesus' point is that when you pray, when you're really praying for things that are most near and dear to you, this isn't a congregational prayer where we're praying for things for the congregation. This is an individual prayer where I'm praying for something that I need, or I'm praying for something that I don't know if I need, but I'm bringing it to God, I do it with sincerity, and God will reward me openly. Now, that may be by not giving me what I need. And, of course, some people out there shaking their heads. How can you pray for something and expect to get it and not get it and still be happy and feel like God rewarded you openly? No, I think the whole point, as we've been dealing with in this lesson up to this point, is, is if it's God's will, then I want it. If it's not God's will, then I don't want it, because it would only be his, not his will if it wasn't in my best interest. God is a God of love. He's a God of compassion. He's a God of righteousness and fairness. And if it's something I need, and it's something that will help me, and it's something that will bless my brethren, and it is something good, then I want to be rewarded openly. But if it's not, so once again, context is critical here. Jesus is not giving us a blank check to pray for whatever we want to pray for. If I know the Father's will, then I know I have the petition. If I don't know the Father's will, I don't even know if I want the petition. So I pray completely uh, differently. Uh, we're going to look at one more, and then we'll we'll wind down our podcast for, for today. Let's look at uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verses uh, 20 and 21. Here it says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, According to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ, or by Christ Jesus, to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So Paul's point here is that it wouldn't be a lack of power. If I ask anything I ask for, God could do exceedingly abundantly above all of it. And there's no doubt that God has the power. When we look at the material creation, we see the sun, the moon, and the stars that were created in, by God's will out of things that do not appear, according to Hebrews chapter 11, and the power that is being exerted in each one of those stars and in our own sun, uh, it's incredible. And then to look at all the birds and all the animals and how God takes care of them and the beauty of the, that is here and the, the complex nature of you and I. And so it would never be a question of power. It would only be a question of need, value, and wisdom in receiving it. 
And so when I'm praying to God that I could be rich so that I can do wonderful good works for him, and in all sincerity, I believe that that's what it would be. But God can see that once that wealth came, my heart would gradually, just like Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, the desire for other things, the cares of this world, the desire for riches would choke the word. And God says, no, I can't give that to you. Wouldn't be good for me to give that to you. Wouldn't be a lack of power. I mean, if I don't get anything that I ask God for, especially those things that I don't know as well, um, it isn't a lack of power. I know it's not a lack of power. He could do anything. The problem is I don't need it or it wouldn't be good for me. And I have to trust God in that. I have to trust God that if I don't get what I ask for, it's not power. It's love, wisdom, devotion, care, concern, a desire to give us what is best. God gives good things to those who ask him, and he withholds bad things to those who ask him. So summing up our our, our lesson uh, for today, the point of prayer is to get the things that God wants us to have. And we will spend a little time in that passage in James, you don't have because you don't ask. I won't have forgiveness if I don't ask. I won't have wisdom if I don't ask. So there are many things that if you don't ask, you're not going to receive. But then there are other things, and James will talk about this after that verse. He says, you ask and you don't receive because you want to spend it on your pleasures. In other words, it's not for God. It's not for God's best interest. It's just selfishness on your part. Well, those would be what we would classify as prayers for things that we don't know God's will. We don't know God's will. Therefore, we don't know if it's according to his will. Therefore, we don't pray boldly. So I hope our listeners can make this distinction. And again, if it's a little bit confusing, uh, uh, tune back in for the next podcast. Because in the next podcast, we're going to spend time helping our listeners understand why we should be, when we pray, we should be praying, if it's not your will, I want to be like Jesus. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. So appreciate uh, all our listeners tonight uh, and very grateful that you've listened to all this material. And appreciate you bringing the material to us, Alan. I really do. Uh, Brian, any thoughts before I wrap it up for today? Yeah, just one final thought for me. And, you know, Alan, you were talking about how when we pray to God and as he, we read in 1 John 1, 9, you know, he has promised to forgive us, right? If we repent of our sins, we confess them, he'll forgive us. You know, I think back in my life and, you know, there are sins that you commit that you know this is what the Bible says, but you just feel so terrible about it. You know, it's just hard to think that God could forgive us. But uh, what I love about God's promise is that it allows you to move forward. You know, you, hopefully you can learn from what you did when you sin. But but if you if you continue to dwell on it or feel unworthy, I, I don't think you can move forward. So anyhow, just just wanted to share that thought. That's a, a really good point, Brian. And and let me just add one thing because I know when you were saying that, I just thought of it. And that is, you know, if we haven't learned to listen to God and we just start praying for forgiveness without doing the things that God has asked us to do in order to be forgiven then when we ask for forgiveness, it's not according to his will because we haven't obeyed the gospel yet. So I just would like to urge our readers to realize that we have to learn to listen to God and not just take a verse out of context and expect God to hear that prayer. Well, and and actually, in some ways, we've come full circle because the very first lesson in this series was about, you know, learning, first of all, to listen to God and I think the the big takeaway you've had tonight is, and oh, by the way, when you pray, you better have understood what his will is, according to the scriptures, having listened to him, so you know the things you can ask in confidence and the things you need to ask with uh, humility and, you know, if it be according to your will, which I don't know. <laughs> so we've kind of come full circle, haven't we? We, we definitely have. And, and of course, that's why we started this lesson with it takes maturity and it is a sign of maturity. The way we pray 
is showing God, I'm like Daniel, I'm like Moses, I'm like Jesus, I understand the distinction, I strictly observe the distinction, I never demand what I haven't learned, whether you want me to have it or not, and I've never doubted when you've when I've asked you for things that you've told me to ask for. And that reaches, that creates a mature Christian that God can use. Very good. On that point, we will uh, wrap it up for the evening. Of course, as we always do with each of our podcasts, we encourage our listeners to go to our website for additional information for your personal study uh, on this or any topic. But especially on this topic, if you go to our website at biblequestions.org, look under the topics menu item for P for prayer, S for selfishness, uh, and especially from tonight, W for will of God. Uh, and also this entire series in a uh, printed form uh, is also available at our website under the Lessons menu item, uh, under Lessons, Christian Living, Prayer. So would certainly encourage our listeners to dig in more deeply, uh, not only to learn, but also to see how they can apply to their lives to improve their walk with God. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Bible Questions podcast. We invite you to visit our website, biblequestions.org, where you can submit a Bible question to be answered. And you can also search archives where we have answered several hundred Bible questions over the years. Our website also has a host of free Bible study material, free correspondence courses, as well as sermons and a host of other material. Please stop by and check it out.